0: Hello, and welcome to a very special edition of Hollywood Chop Shop. Travis Santana, he made us a promise 12 months ago, and the man has made true on that on that promise. He's presenting to us True Christmas Part 2. So for anybody who is listening to this for the first time, uh, we did a Christmas special last year featuring Charlie Brown's Christmas, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, And I believe the first of the Rudolph Red-Nosed Reindeer of the like the stop motion. And uh, back then we were doing a lot more of the chop shops. So uh, our challenge is we had to take those three movies and combine them into one movie. Travis did a brilliant job, but he left us with a cliffhanger. So we will start with the original True Christmas part one. And then if you're looking to skip ahead just to get to part two, it will be at 23 minutes and 15 seconds. So without further ado, True Christmas.
1: So the opening of my prestige miniseries, it's going to be the song Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but it's going to be Leonard Cohen singing it. (laughs) And in the opening credits, we're going to have imagery of burning Christmas trees, uh, Santa's sleigh knocked over, Santa's workshop looking run down and abandoned. And interspersed throughout the credits, we're going to get our our star names revealed. Charlie Brown, The Grinch, Lucy, Yukon Cornelius, Pigpen, featuring Snoopy. So we're going to open with episode one, which is called Sleigh Bells. And we're going to open with a tight shot of Detective Charlie Brown driving in his squad car. Uh, And we're going to hear his narration. It had been two months with my new partner, and thus far, he lived up to his reputation. Uh, We then zoom out to reveal Detective Grinch riding shotgun. (laughs) He speaks. I hate this fucking heat. I don't know why I accepted this transfer. Charlie Brown responds, "'Yeah, you're a long way from Whoville. I don't know why you left. I thought you and the town had worked all that out.'" The Grinch looks out the car window and solemnly responds, "'Well, things change.'" As the words leave his mouth, Grinch rubs a scar on the side of his neck. We cut to present day, where Charlie Brown is being visited by Linus. Uh, Charlie's in a hospital bed, looking beat up, his neck is heavily bandaged. Linus tells him, I'm just worried about you, Charlie Brown. With all this happening around Christmas time, I, I don't want you to backslide. Charlie, seemingly unable to speak, scribbles on a pad of paper and shows it to Linus. Linus looks shocked, but we can't see what's on the paper and we're gonna cut back to Charlie and the Grinch and their squad car pulling up to a field. It's been marked off by police tape and the two detectives cross behind and walk towards a gigantic fir tree. Hanging in the tree, we find the corpses of Cupid and Blitzen. Both of their noses have been painted red. And we roll credits. So, I'll stop there, Brett. Do you have any questions or comments?
0: no, i'm I'm in love with this already. Like this is starting to feel a little true detective.
1: Mm, you nailed it. So we'll go to episode two entitled "Home for Christmas." We open with Grinch and Charlie Brown, and they're in the home of Dasher. Dasher is having a cup of coffee at his kitchen table. I know he's a reindeer. I don't know how he's drinking the coffee, but imagine that he is. The detectives ask him some questions. Charlie says So, Dasher, I was shocked to learn that you live here in town. I thought part of the reindeer gig was uh, being able to stay at the North Pole for free all year. Dasher responds, Yeah. That used to be the gig, it was nice. That was before everything went to shit. And the Grinch chimes in and says, what do you know about shit, Bambi? You've been riding the coattails of Rundahl for decades now and you work one night a fucking year. Just keep cashing those royalty checks. Dasher responds, nah man, nah, you've got it all wrong. The money is dried up. No one has seen Rudolph in a decade. Most of our money, it comes from appearance fees. And for the record, if you didn't screw up that shit in Whoville, you wouldn't be working this beat. The Grinch is angered by uh, the Whoville reference and begins to step towards Dasher when Charlie Brown interjects. Uh, So no one stays at the North Pole anymore? Dasher responds, well, you know, Santa still does, but the rest of us, we're part-time. We show up a few weeks before Christmas, and we're gone before New Year's. Except for Rudolph, of course. The Grinch and Charlie exchange knowing glances, while Dasher notices and adds, hey, what's with all the questions about Rudolph? Uh, Has there been a sighting? The detectives share information about uh, Cupid and Blitzen and advised Dasher to be careful, as the other reindeer might still be targets. The detectives leave Dasher's home and discuss the case as they drive to visit Dancer, the only other reindeer known to live in town. As they drive, the Grinch stares out the window as the car passes a gas station, where he sees a young who girl wearing a parka despite it being 80 degrees outside. The Grinch says, do you believe in ghosts? Charlie doesn't respond. He only side-eyes the Grinch and we cut to the car arriving at Dancer's home. The two detectives knock on the front door with no response and Grinch finds that the door is unlocked and the two enter they find dancer dead both of his hind legs broken and again his nose is painted red as we roll credits so i'll stop there before episode 3 brett you got anything
0: so my only my only question is why you didn't have them meet Dancer or try and find out information at Dancer at a strip club. Because I just feel like that was... Maybe it's low-hanging fruit, but I just feel like Dancer would have (laughs) had to have been like at at a strip club. Uh, Is Dancer a male or a female?
1: I mean, either could be strippers, Brett.
0: True. I just wasn't sure if if that was going to matter because I was going to say, it would be really funny if they had to go to a male strip club. I mean, it is 2021.
1: I missed an opportunity with Dancer, Brad. That's that's why we interject uh with your, your input there.
0: Well yeah, it would be really funny if even if they uh dancer wasn't there and then it still ends with the same thing with them going to to his and or her house and finding them dead, it still would have been fun if the first place they stopped was a strip club because again, we've already established Dancer, yes that, that you know, they're hard they're hard for cash and maybe Dancer had to had to get back on that. That deer pole.
1: (laughs) Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. So we can pretend that there was a strip club involved in there. Uh, So we're going to go to episode three. And it's called Three Wise Men. Uh, We open in Whoville on Christmas Eve night. Um, we're going to follow the events of the Grinch who stole Christmas. You know, the Grinch has parlayed his fame into becoming the sheriff of Whoville. You know, he's riding around in his, uh, sheriff's truck with his K9 partner, Max. Uh, Sheriff Grinch stops at a red light as several tourists cross in front, you know, going across the crosswalk. Uh, they're all carrying large presents and Max begins to growl at the tourists and whimper to Grinch. Grinch turns on his police lights and steps out of his vehicle and begins to speak to the tourists. Hey, guys! I don't think I've seen you around before. Uh, mind if I take a look at your presence There, uh, we have a pretty strict policy to inspect all large packages prior to entering the park. The group of three tier, uh, oh, excuse me, the group of three tourists. Uh, Dressed in robes, look nervously as one pulls a submachine gun from his coat and attempts to fire on the Grinch. Uh, The Grinch has his neck clipped by a shot, but manages to score a headshot on the first assailant. Another tourist produces a shotgun from his present box and shoots Grinch in the chest. Uh, Grinch is wearing his bulletproof vest, but the blast still sends him to the ground, knocking the wind out of him. Max leaps from the truck window and attacks a shotgun wielding tourist, wrestling him to the ground. Do pulls... it. Oh, we'll see. As Max viciously attacks his target, the third tourist pulls a knife and begins to stab Max. Max yelps in pain but continues to defend <clears throat> but continues def, to defend the grinch. A recovering grinch raises up and sees his partner being attacked and fires multiple shots into the knife-wielding attacker. As the attacker falls to the ground, the camera reveals the camera reveals that one of the bullets went through its target and struck A little who girl in a parka, standing directly behind the assailant. A shell-shocked Grinch tries to process what is happening as wounded Max lays down next to him and dies from his wounds. Cut to present day, Grinch and Charlie Brown exit a plane and enter the small airport of Casper, Wyoming, the last known whereabouts of Rudolph. Uh, Charlie Brown's Wyoming contact, Pig Pigpen, awaits. Uh, Pigpen drives the detectives to a remote cabin, which is Rudolph's last known location. Pigpen tells the detectives there were uh, rumors that Rudolph had started some sort of commune or cult in the hills. But the trio discover a decomposing reindeer in the cabin. Foul play clearly being a factor they deduce based on decomposition the corpse seems to have been killed around the same time as Cupid and Blitzen Grinch and Charlie Brown look at each other confused as ominous music leads us to the end credits so I'll pause there Brad at the end credits yes we did kill the dog you're an asshole you uh, you have any observations thus far? No. Next episode. <laughs> <laughs> episode four, entitled Christmas Bonus. We open at the North Pole in a flashback. Yukon Cornelius brings his caravan into town, selling his goods and wares to the elves and reindeer stationed at the North Pole. The reindeer buy jewelry and food from Cornelius, but the elves can't afford anything at all. They complain to Cornelius, but he assures them that he's only charging what he has to. This is all due to inflation. The elves have made numerous attempts to get better wages from Santa, but much like their first song in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, as we reviewed, Santa is not impressed with uh, their pleas. Uh, He tells them that uh, they just need to ensure delivery for Christmas, and that's all they need to worry about. Later on, Rudolph admonishes Santa for not providing the elves a living wage. Santa flies into a rage, telling Rudolph that from now on, all of their jobs are part-time. Housing at the North Pole will now only be for the month of December. Back in the present, Grinch and Charlie are sitting at the bar debating on the possibility of there being two killers. And they're exchanging their theories, but by the end of the night, both men are smashed. Grinch gets a cab to go home while Charlie decides he's close enough to walk. As Charlie stumbles up his driveway, he notices his garage door is open. As he gets closer, a figure runs out of the dark, being chased by Snoopy, and chasing him away from the home. A drunk Charlie shouts, hey, stop! but he's too drunk to pursue, so he draws his service weapon and enters the house looking for his wife, Lucy. He hears upstairs as she yells at someone to get their hands off of her. He begins to creep up the stairs, hoping to surprise the attacker, and as he rounds the corner at the top of the stairs, he sees a red light emanating from the bedroom. He can still hear his wife, And as he reaches the door, he's hit from behind by an unseen attacker. Charlie falls to the ground and his unseen attacker speaks. This isn't a reindeer game, Charlie. Stop working this case or next time it'll be worse. Roll credits. You got anything there, Brett?
0: I'm still here, yeah. I thought you were going to kill Snoopy right there, too, and I was like, you're a real fucking piece of shit.
1: I can't kill two dogs.
0: At a certain point, I'll be honest, after finding out Max died, my hope was that Charlie winds up getting killed and the Grinch winds up with Snoopy. Don't know if that's where you're going or not, but I'm just thinking, like, (laughs) you know, eh, maybe it's the best for everybody.
1: We'll see. So we got two episodes left.
0: All right, I'm, I'm invested. Let's do this.
1: Episode five, Last Christmas. It's December 20th. Several weeks have passed since Charlie Brown's family was attacked in their home. For their safety, Charlie sends Lucy and Snoopy to witness protection. Grinch and a now bloodthirsty Charlie Brown take leaves of absence and decide to go out of jurisdiction to the North Pole, suspecting that the killer may show up to kill another reindeer on Christmas. And we're going to have a montage uh, set to an ominous version of the Peanuts theme. (laughs) okay. Yeah. Charlie Brown's going to be stealing weapons from the department's equipment room to prepare to go rogue. Uh, Grinch and Charlie arrive at the North Pole And we find it unseasonably warm It's above freezing, hardly any snow on the ground Mostly slush The skies are overcast and rain appears to be on the way Now I I put in parentheses here You can interpret the, the warmer, uglier North Pole As global warming Or as general loss of the Christmas spirit Take your pick
0: I would do Christmas spirit lost Um, just because I feel like shoehorning in an environmental thing here at the end doesn't feel it feels tacked on. So I would I would stick with my interpretation would have been it's just the Christmas spirit going up in
1: flames. Okay, okay, Yeah. I I just wanted to throw that possibility out. I agree with Mm -hmm. you, though. Uh, So Grinch and Charlie use their stolen tactical gear to climb over the wall of Santa's castle and they enter into a giant outdoor courtyard. A drunk Santa sits at the end of a long banquet table alone. Grinch and Charlie approach and call out, hey Santa, where is everybody? Uh, Getting awfully close to Christmas, wouldn't you say? As the two get closer, they realize Santa is actually chained to the table. And Santa raises his head to reveal that he is beaten to shit. The two detectives uh, raise their stolen assault rifles when suddenly the courtyard begins to fill with elves, also carrying a variety of weapons. The elf leader reveals that they're here to kill Christmas once and for all. They're bitter for all of Santa's mistreatment and poor wages for so long. Just then, the remaining reindeer run into the room with weapons drawn. Again, I don't know how. They've got (laughs) hooves. But they rush to defend Santa, which leads to a Mexican standoff between uh, the detectives Grinch and Charlie on one side, the elves on another side, and then the reindeer defending Santa on the other. The reindeer chastise the elves for murdering innocent reindeer, while the elves tell the reindeer that they never bothered to help the underpaid elves. As tensions escalate, Charlie Brown's seething anger over his wife and dog being put in danger leads him to shoot the elf leader in the head, which causes all hell to break loose. Everyone takes cover where they can, and the gunfight intensifies. While Charlie is taking out his fair share of elves, Grinch is having a flashback to when he killed to the Who child. Uh, Because, you know, the elves are short and they resemble children, so the Grinch is having that flashback. Mm -hmm. Charlie tries to snap Grinch out of it as the two detectives run from cover to cover to get to Santa. Some of the remaining reindeer are picked off by gunfire, leaving only one reindeer and Santa. Grinch and Charlie make it to Santa and the remaining reindeer, and they say, we've got to get him out of here. Blitzer, can you help us? Or wait, is it Vixen? Which Whichever you are. The reindeer says, very funny the group grabs Santa and begin to move as a clap of thunder hits and it begins to rain. The last batch of elves stand that stand between the detectives and the exit. Well, they're all there, basically. Uh, and they're going to plan their final push. Uh, Charlie Brown tries one more peck Pep talked to Grinch, and he says, The elves, they're not kids. If we're going to make it out here alive, I need your help. You're going to have to take them out. Just then, the reindeer speaks and says, No, gentlemen, I don't think you're going to make it out regardless. As the reindeer turns towards our uh, detectives, the pouring rain starts to wash away the black paint on the reindeer's nose, (laughs) revealing a bright red schnoz. As we realize that Rudolph is the last reindeer, he stabs Charlie in the neck with his antler and uh, kicks Grinch. He throws Santa on his back and rides off to join the elves. Uh, Grinch takes off his button-down shirt, and he ties it around Charlie's neck to stop the bleeding, and the Grinch pleads with his partner, Charlie, it's not that bad, it's not that bad, hang in there. Charlie begins to gurgle blood as the camera switches to a bird's-eye view and slowly pulls out as the Grinch tries to comfort his partner as credits roll.
0: True Christmas part two.
1: We open with a drone shot flying high above a Mexican highway, cutting through the middle of a desert, large hills and small mountains scattered on both sides. It's night, but the desert is illuminated by a full moon. A nondescript box truck enters the frame. And as the camera zooms in lower and lower until we're directly behind the in motion truck. The truck slows to a stop and pulls over by the side of the road. The driver exits the vehicle and opens the truck's back door and lowers an exit ramp. We hear an ATV start up and a man in all black tactical gear gear, speeds down the ramp into the desert night, aided by night vision goggles. The driver of the box truck closes the truck up and makes a U-turn on the highway, heading back towards the direction from which it came. As the truck becomes smaller and smaller in the frame, the camera pushes up back towards the full moon as snow begins to fall. Snow in the Mexican desert. That's the important part here, Brett. So we're going to cut the opening credits. And as we rejoin after credits, the camera is riding in the backseat of a sedan, showing the back of a driver's bald head and a view out of the windshield. The bald-headed driver seems to be repeating after a voice coming through the car radio. How now, brown cow? How now, brown cow? Unique, New York. Unique, uh, New York. As the driver continues, his voice exercises. He pulls into the parking lot of a small office front with a sign on the door reading CB&G Investigations. Charlie Brown puts the car in park and immediately notices Grinch's truck parked in front of the office. Charlie steps out and steps out of the car, rubs his throat, a twinge of pain on his face, and unlocks the office door. When he enters, he sees Grinch passed out behind a stack of papers. Charlie loudly claps his hands, startling Grinch awake. Uh, Do you ever actually make any breaks in the case, pulling all these all-nighters? As a matter of fact, I I think I might have. Check these photos out. Grinch turns his laptop to face Charlie and the screen displaying a a news article with large pictures of snow-covered hills and homes. It's almost Thanksgiving, Al Roker. It snows some places in November. Yeah, go ahead and read the article. You brushed up on your Espanol? These pictures were taken yesterday in Rancho Nuevo, Mexico. What the hell? Some of the locals are calling it a miracle, some a sign of the end times. Personally, it's Rudolph. Young Men Dead by the Black Angels plays as credits roll. Episode 2, Ghost Town. The episode opens with a Mexican couple in their early 30s sitting in bed, finishing wrapping presents. They discuss how excited they are to see their children's reaction to the presents, and the couple turn out the light for the night and go to sleep. Down the hall, uh, the, the children of the parents we just saw are asleep in their individual twin beds. Uh, The sister awakes to a light tapping sound coming from the roof of their home. And as she rubs uh, the sleep from her eyes, she notices snow falling outside the bedroom window. She fills with excitement, thinking Santa is visiting. She excitedly rouses her brother to see the snow, and, and the two run to the bedroom window. The two debate on whether they should wake their parents when suddenly they hear more footsteps on the roof. The siblings run out of the house to try to get a Santa sighting, and the camera's low to the ground, looking up at the children as they run into the frame and their house is in the background. As the kids try to get a glimpse of Saint Nick, we see David from The Lost Boys standing on the roof, staring menacingly at the children as we cut the opening credits. Uh, when we return from credits, we see a close-up shot of Santa Claus drinking a Coca-Cola. The camera zooms out to reveal the image is a rusty sign on the front of a Mexican gas station and we see a car pull in and park. Charlie and Grinch exit the vehicle and enter the station, speaking to the attendant behind the counter. The bilingual Grinch converses with the shop owner, asking him if he's seen anything strange around town prior to the snowfall. The employee asks if the men are police, to which Grinch responds, something like that. The man confides that he hasn't, the man confides that he hasn't seen anything strange aside from the the snow two weeks ago, because you know, again, snow in Mexico, pretty surprising. Uh, But he hasn't been able to reach his brother or sister-in-law since the snow. He tells Grinch that the couple have two small children and he's worried about the family. Grinch looks concerned. We cut to Grinch and Charlie getting back into the car and Charlie scolds Grinch. Who gives a fuck about this dude's brother? Are we really going to drive six and a half hours to do a welfare check? Maybe it's nothing, but uh, it's a lead at least, Grinch replies. Uh, Standard dramatic aerial shot of the car driving through the Mexican desert. Uh, We cut to a roadside sign reading, Welcome to San Rafael, as Charlie and Grinch speed by. Driving through the center of town, the duo are disturbed to see absolutely zero signs of life. The partners park and walk through an open-air market, birds and stray dogs helping themselves to the rotting fruits and vegetables. Hello, is anyone out there? Charlie says. To which Grinch says, Alien aqui? You fucking show off. Uh, so, you know, Grinch is bilingual. Charlie's, you know, pissed off that Grinch is speaking Spanish.
0: Uh, as Grinch shrugs. Wait, wait so I got a question for you. Yep. Why did you choose San Rafael?
1: Uh, because I was Googling Mexican towns and... Uh, There are two Mexican towns present in this uh, season, and I just picked two that were close together and that I could pronounce.
0: Okay. I wasn't sure if it was a fictional place because you could have gone with like a San Nicolas. So it was St. Nick was one of the towns. Oh,
1: oh. (laughs) Yeah, I was going for pure realism. I was looking for real Mexican towns. So that's why I also use Google Translate to try to speak Spanish here, (laughs) despite my Santana last name. Uh, anyway, uh, Grinch shrugs sarcastically and a small child darts from an alleyway, carrying a head of lettuce, running away from the partners and they give chase. Uh, they go into a small church and inside they find the fleeing child is a little boy and he's bringing back the food for his younger sister uh, with the pair hiding in the church. Of course, it's the same pair of children we saw earlier Uh Anticipating Santa Claus, uh, the pair seem fearful of Charlie and Grinch. As Grinch tries to calm their feel, uh, calm their fears, asking where their parents are. En paz, en paz. ¿Qué pasa? ¿Dónde están tus padres? Wide-eyed, the children babble the same phrase in Spanish. Camina hacia el norte. Camina hacia el norte. Camina hacia el norte. Charlie asks, what's she saying? Grinch responds with, way down north? Both men look confused as we cut to a first-person point of view through binoculars looking down at the partners as Errol Smith's back-in-the-saddle plays as Credits roll. So, <laughs> so I hope you appreciate the fact that I use again, Google Translate to try to throw in some authentic Spanish, quote-unquote.
0: I think I've, I think there's, with the with the Aerosmith song. I'm I'm wondering who our our tactical man is.
1: We might have seen him in the first episode, Brett. Let's see. <clears throat> episode three, three amigos. The episode opens at the same church that we ended in. The young siblings are in the background playing with toys. Charlie and Grinch are in the foreground having a whispered conversation. And again, the reason I'm doing the raspy voice.
0: Can Charlie have a whispered conversation?
1: Yeah. He's working through his his throat that was cut by by Rudolph, but he's got some of his voice back, but it doesn't sound great. So I say we separate the kids and interrogate them again. We got to find out what the fuck is going on. Where is everyone? Grinch replies, whatever happened, those kids have been through hell. And they're in shock. It's almost Christmas and they're all alone. Oh, all of a sudden you're the number one fan of Christmas? Who gives a shit about Christmas? Those kids do. And they should. Christmas used to mean something. What's it mean now with Rudolph running the show? I know he's behind this. We gotta find him. Who are you telling that son of a bitch Maybe sound like Clint Eastwood with a crack problem? Or Danny DeVito and Batman Returns into one. <laughs> uh, the two are interrupted by a man's voice from the entrance of the church. Rudolph, like the reindeer, you boys look like you're a long way from home. Charlie and Grinch turn, and the camera reveals Frank Bullet. <laughs> So there's a big plot hole, Brett, and point it out whenever you, you see it, but uh, we can touch on it later if you don't. But uh, we're gonna cut to opening credits. And uh, when we return from credits, we open on a shot of a helicopter landing and, and powering down. Bullet speaks to the pilot. The two kids are flying. Uh, they have an uncle on Rancho Nuevo. Make sure you get them there. I owe you one, Bill. Grinch escorts the two kids to the helicopter, telling them where they're headed and that he's going to do all he can to find their parents and save Christmas. He loads the kids into the chopper and it powers back up and takes off. Uh, From here, we're going to have a data dump scene from Bullet. I've been down here for six months doing recon on the cartel. A few months ago, this cat named David, David the Gringo, they call him. He rolls into town and opens up a Christmas-themed bar called Way Down North. Grinch and Charlie exchange knowing glances, remembering what the children kept repeating. And bullet continues. Yeah, weird fucking choice in aesthetics, right? Anyway, I do some recon in the place and I never see any actual customers, just cartel guys in and out. So I know it's a front. Well, eventually, one of the biggest cartel honchos in Mexico shows up, Andres Escarten. Now, if this guy is showing up, (laughs) there's some big shit going down. I get the green light, uh, you know, to go in a little more, you know, up close and personal with the place. Uh, I'm headed out there under the cover of night and I'm telling you, you're not going to believe this, but I get caught in a blizzard, a fucking blizzard in the middle of Mexico. I turn back, but by the time I get back to San Rafael, it's a it's a goddamn ghost town. You and those kids are the first people I've seen in damn near two weeks. Uh, Grinch and Charlie explain that they're not at all surprised, and they download the plot of season one to Bullet. So, again, Brett's doing the courtesy. Season one might be ahead of this. Listen to that. You'll understand. Bullet rubs his chin in disbelief as Leonard Coven's avalanche begins to play softly in the background. Bullet finally speaks. Fuck it. Let's go after him. We cut to sundown in the desert as the camera slowly zooms in on the exterior of the aforementioned Way Down Wharf bar. Appearing as a life-size, uh, life-size gingerbread house, uh, the bar's sign is adorned with a giant candy cane. camera continues to zoom through the tiny window on the door of the bar and into, in, into the interior. Inside the bar, several cartel men enjoy beers and the camera zooms down a hallway behind the uh, bar turning down some stairs as we hear an old man screaming in pain. The camera travels down the stairs into a large, hellishly lit basement as we see Santa Claus strapped to a table being tortured with a drill. Santa is wearing what appears to be an oxygen mask attached to a long hose. Each time he screams, the other end of the hose spits out a small amount of milky white liquid into a large barrel.
0: I got a question for you, image-wise. The drill, is it painted red and white like a candy cane?
1: Absolutely. I I think that would be a good touch, yeah. (laughs) Potentially, (laughs) Potentially cutting off the limbs of Santa Claus, but we'll see. As the camera tracks past Santa, we see Rudolph sitting behind a large desk, a pile of white powder in front of him. Rudolph mocks Santa's cries of pain as he snorts some of the powder. Oh, it hurts so bad. No, <laughs> oh, give me a little bit more of that uh, Christmas magic, Santa Claus. Just then, cartel boss Andres Escarton enters the basement, attempting to hide his disgust. Oh, Mr. Escarton, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We have much to discuss. Have a seat. Uh, We roll credits as Leonard Cohen's Avalanche continues to play. Episode four, Magic Hour. There's only five episodes, by the way, Brett. Okay. We open up back at the Way Down North bar and Rudolph is giving Andreas Eskartan a tour take him into Rudolph's workshop where Rudolph's plan is revealed. Rudolph has used David from the Lost Boys to create a vampire workforce, kidnapping and converting the citizens of San Rafael. The workforce works all night, every night, on refining the Christmas spirit that Santa secretes from being tortured. Rudolph is pitching a partnership with the cartel. Rudolph is asking for 50% of the profits in exchange for providing some of the Christmas spirit powder. Rudolph tells Descartes that the same magic that allows Santa to deliver presents all over the world in one night will allow the cartel to distribute their various drugs with similar speed and almost zero chance of law enforcement interference. About the workshop, David yells at the workers uh, below to speed up or mandatory OT will be in effect. We see the Mexican parents from episode 2 now have vampires slaving away in the workshop as we cut to opening credits. Uh when we return from opening credits, Bullet is driving a tan Ford Bronco with Grinch and Charlie as passengers. Grinch questions Bullet as to why this is going to only be a three-man mission. Uh so Frank, let me you know let me ask you: You've got a small army back at the safe house you're taking this to, right? Bullet responds at, uh, "No, sir. Just a just a small stash of equipment that might help us out." So, your CIA, and until we showed up, it was it was going to be one guy versus the cartel. I might get a little help from the agency, but this down here, it's personal. That's when we cut to a flashback. Of the bullet chop shop, as you recall, Stanton being killed by a cartel sniper. I don't know if you recall that, Brett, but. Okay. Um, cutting back to real time, Bullet veers off the paved road, driving a few miles over rocky terrain when the Bronco finally parks in front of a small metal shack, roughly the size of four porta potties joined together. Bullet puts it in park and shuts off the engine as Charlie Brown looks around incredulously. <laughs> What the fuck is this? This is, this is HQ? Are, are we even going to be able to fit inside that thing? Bullet simply turns around in the driver's seat and smiles at Charlie. Inside the shed, Bullet digs through the dirt floor and finds a chain. He pulls it and removes a wooden panel covering a hidden metal door in the ground. Bullet unlocks the door of the key, which reveals a descending stairwell. The trio descend the stairs and find an underground bunker full of CIA-issued goodies. Uh, We then cut to a first-person point of view through binoculars, much like earlier in the season, watching the rear of Way Down North, which is the bar that Rudolph runs. A box truck truck pulls up to the rear loading dock, and the, uh, the loading dock door opens, and Michael, again from The Lost Boys, is seen assisting with loading the truck with barrels. Uh, We cut to a shot behind Grinch, Charlie, and Bullet, standing on the ridgeline above the bar. We see all three men's breath as they exhale, the temperature quickly dropping in the desert as ELO's showdown plays as credits roll. Uh, Now we're to episode five, which is the jumbo-sized season finale of True Christmas Season 2 entitled Ghosts of Christmas Past. (laughs) We open on the bar's loading dock as the box truck has its door closed. David bangs on the truck, signaling they can take off. Meanwhile, in the background, Charlie and Grinch, clad in all black, with black toboggans on, sneak into the loading dock's door as the box truck full of drums of Christmas Spirit departs. Two black Range Rovers pull out and flank the truck front and back. Inside the bar, Grince and Charlie move stealthily through the labyrinth looking for Rudolph, each carrying silenced pistols. They find their way into the workshop sneaking up behind Rudolph, sitting at his desk, storting more Christmas Spirit. The pair raise his pistols and then Rudolph speaks. Well... If it isn't the ghosts of Christmas past, what did you bring me? It's been a very good year. Unfortunately, others were not so good. So drop the pistols. With this, several vampire workers emerge, holding the two Mexican children from earlier hostage. The mother of the children recognized them, but she is unable to help due to the brainwashing of her vampirism. Uh, so opening credits of uh, this episode, we return from the credits inside of the black Range Rover tailing the box truck. Andres Ascarton is riding shotgun, speaking Spanish on a cell phone. In the backseat are two armed cartel Sicarios. We zoom out to a drone shot of the cartel caravan driving through the desert. The song "Coyote Nights by Nova fades in, and as the beat drops, the front Range Rover is struck by an RPG and explodes into flames. The driver of the box truck swerves to avoid the flaming SUV, causing the box, the box truck to roll over, uh, spilling some of the barrels inside. And uh, with some of the barrels being busted open, Christmas spirit leaking out. Back at the bar, David hears and sees the explosion out in the desert and we cut back to the caravan. Andreas orders his men out of the vehicle to look for the assailant while Andreas jumps into the driver's seat and takes off back towards way down south. But both driver's side tires are shot out, and he can only make it a few hundred feet. Uh, Back at the bar, Charlie and Grinch are tied to chairs as Rudolph does some more kind of Bond villain data dumping. Listen, Grinch, I'm actually happy to see you again. You see... I'll soon have a, a job opening in my organization. I don't think Santa is quite capable of uh, fulfilling his duties anymore. Rudolph gestures, and Santa is wheeled in on a gurney. Charlie and Grinch are horrified horrified at what they see. Santa has had both legs and one arm amputated, and is making gurgling sounds. Oh. Rudolph continues... St. Nick has all tapped out of Christmas spirit, so he's decided to retire. You, on the other hand, well, I mean, your heart grew three times with the Christmas spirit, didn't it? I want to see what happens when you bleed. Rudolph pulls out a large hunting knife. We cut back to the inside of the Range Rover. Andreas frantically speaks on his phone. The camera view is from the back seat, looking out the front windshield as heavy snow has begun to fall, illuminated by the headlights of the Range Rover. Suddenly, we see Bullet step into the rover's headlight beams, and Bullet points his rifle towards Andreas. But before he can fire, David from Lost Boys flies in and grabs Bullet and flies off with him. David interrogates Bullet mid-flight, demanding to know who the fuck he is, but Bullet answers by pulling a wooden stake from his belt and stabbing David in his heart, causing David to drop Bullet from quite a height. Bullet lands near the overtru- overturned box truck, groaning in pain. He tries to get to his feet, but falls face down in the mounting snow. Back at the bar, the vampire workers turn back into themselves with the, de- uh, the death of David, and the children are freed from captivity. I didn't write this very well, but basically the the vampire slave army from the, the town, they turn back into humans mm-hmm. and turn against Rudolph. Um, and the parents of the, the children uh, rush over and cut Grinch and Charlie loose. And enraged Rudolph snorts a giant pile of Christmas spirit and begins goring any of the citizens near him. Charlie and Grinch pick up their weapons and shoot Rudolph, emptying their clips, but the bullets don't phase Rudolph because of the Christmas spirit that he's been storing. Rudolph attaches a sleigh uh, that's in the workshop and flies through the roof of the bar, heading to check on his Christmas spirit supply, with Charlie and Grinch giving chase on foot. Uh, Rudolph stops and collects a fleeing Andreas in his sleigh, telling the cartel balls that they still have a deal as the evil pair arrive at the overturned box truck, they began collecting the barrels into the sleigh. The cameras focus on the sleigh in the foreground with the burning Range Rover in the background and suddenly we see Frank Bullet, backlit by flames, stand up and crack his neck. Bullet has suffered numerous broken bones in his fall and internal injuries, but he landed face down in a pile of Christmas spirit, inhaling enough to give him super strength to mash Rudolph. Bullet's face is covered in white powder, but the blood from his broken navel cavity has given him a bright red nose. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to have like a meta human fight between Bullet and Rudolph as Charlie and Grinch are are running out on the way and bullet is gonna kill rudolph by ripping rudolph's head off his body uh, but bullet is gonna die of his injuries because the christmas magic soon wears off charlie brown and Grinch arrive and put bullets body in the sleigh and drag it back to the bar as Kavinsky's outsider begins to play Inside the bar, the two will mourn Bullet. Grinch asks Charlie what his plans are now, and Charlie says he feels his family is finally safe with the threat of Rudolph gone, and he's going to return home to his family. But before he does, he returns the question to Grinch, what are you going to do now? Grinch looks down in the workshop and sees the late Santa Claus's hat laying on the ground. And he puts it on to imply that he's going to take over the job of Christmas's ultimate caretaker. Our final shot of the season will be Grinch sitting on a newly made Christmas throne. And I'll pause here, Brett. Have you seen Conan the Barbarian? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you recall the last shot of that movie, Conan sitting on the throne? Yeah. So we're going to have a similar shot of... The Grinch sitting on the Christmas throne. The camera is going to slowly zoom out to reveal Rudolph's head mounted on the wall behind him. To warn any future enemies. Of Christmas. <laughs> Kavansky's outsider continues to play as the season credits roll.
0: It'd be a fun shot too if one of the antler, one of uh, Rudolph's antlers is sawn off, and the Grinch has a new dog with the antler tied on its head, Ooh. like he has a puppy or something like that to replace oh, Max. Oh, I love that! <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All
1: right. So, what's the plot hole you're
0: talking about?
1: Um, the fact that technically Bullet went on his cartel okay. mission in the sixties. And,
0: uh, <laughs> that, okay. That's what I thought. I was gonna be like, shouldn't bullet kind of be, you could fix that by say the reason that bullet knows about Christmas spirit and all of that is somehow he found and that's prolonged his life is that he's actually, he's been taking Christmas spirit or something like that.
1: Yeah, that would work. I just, yeah, I knew talking 15 minutes straight with this, with this quote unquote script would be a lot. So I, I didn't I, I couldn't fill in the potholes, but yeah, that was the biggest one is, uh, yeah, technically Frank Bullitt would be like 100 years old in in this uh, in this series.
0: Or you can make it like the son of Frank Bullitt or something like that or. Frank Frank, Two. But uh, no, I like it. So is there going to be a season three or did you conclude true Christmas with this?
1: I, I wanted to do one of those things where if we don't get picked up, you know, we're we're following the the vanishing point episode, mm-hmm. so we don't have a lot of built in audience. If this has to be the end, it's the end. Could I come up with another one? You know, we have twelve months to see. Let's see what the reaction
0: is. <laughs> oh, there could be a murder in at the North Pole. They had to bring in Charlie Brown so that him and Cringe can. Well, I mean, here's the
1: wild thing: Brett. team up again now the North Pole is lo- is located somewhere in Mexico because I, I fully intend True. with, with Grant being bilingual like he is yeah the new North Pole is somewhere in southeastern Mexico way down
0: north way down north <laughs> uh I dig it sir I like it I'm trying to think of some of the other questions I might have had that that those are my major my my big ones. Oh, you could do you could do a Die Hard three, and it could be Rudolph had a brother that we never knew about. <laughs> That's never they never sing about him. I mean,
1: oh, I was gonna say all the other reindeer they're not related to him. This is gonna be a.
0: <laughs> it's true. I don't I don't know the reindeer work. Are they, are they are they all inbred?
1: I mean, I still go back to Brad and I, I listened to the episode to to write this one when you pointed out that Dancer the uh, the reindeer should have been at a strip club. It, that keeps me up yeah. at night i i don't know why i didn't write it that way it keeps me up at
0: night <laughs> uh it's okay i think he made up for it so well thank you sir uh as always i mean i'm always like when you wrap up one of your loose ends here so i think you only now we just have to watch is it charlie in the chocolate factory now so we can start getting the, the Oompa Loompas wrapped up.
1: Yeah, we got to figure out the, the Slugworth uh, secret agent angle. I, I I thought about trying to work that into here, but really, who who wants no, to? No,
0: that's, that's its own. Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. But yeah, RIP Frank Bullitt. He made the ultimate sacrifice. And thanks to Frank Bullitt, Christmas still exists. So in about a week from now, when you're opening your present, think about Frank Bullitt.
0: I'm just trying to think if there's a Christmas term with a bullet with bullet in it that could be like whenever time every time a bell rings, a cartel gets shot.
1: You know what I should have done is based upon the Batman Returns episode, that should have worked in mistletoe. That's where that was my big
0: mistake. Mm. You could have even done like a nice, like cheesy, like action thing where like they're standing under mistletoe and then frank pulls up the rpg and shoots them with a missile
1: oh oh damn it yes like even just attach a little bit of mistletoe onto the the rocket that he's about to shoot yeah
0: or hell, if they were in a, in in the box truck, like somebody had mistletoe hanging or from the the rearview mirror, and like the cartel makes some comment about Can't, mistletoe can be dangerous, and then it's just. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, before we officially uh, pitch this to uh, HBO Max head on shows, we're gonna we're gonna piece all this together, <laughs> and then they'll Sounds cancel good. it for well, for tax reasons.
0: Uh, absolutely yeah it's not successful enough all right sir well we'll post this as our special holiday christmas episode so thank you everybody who who tuned in and listened well uh we'll see you next year
1: bye